for being our God, our maker, and our creator. We thank you, Father, for assembling us here to hear your word. We want to be prepared for what we uh, know we have to do in your kingdom, for your kingdom work. And this prepares us for it. So we thank you that you've included us in your plan. We are very, very important to your plan. We thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. So we're going to talk about mature love today. The fact that mature love casts out fear. And uh, get a little more insight into how that works uh, for the believer. Uh, if you'll turn to First John 4.18, that's where <coughs> the scripture is located. And the uh, Apostle John is really talking about how we are uh, matured in God. How we are matured in the love of God. How, how important it is to experience and to know the love of God. To be familiar with that aspect of God's character. Uh, because so many times we skip over that important element of relationship with God in favor of something else you know something more pressing Uh, maybe uh, getting our needs met perhaps getting to understand how to pray and how to do other things related to relationship with God but John really focuses on relationship and that part is so vitally vitally important Uh, God is uh, um, God he has personhood he's not human uh, the way we expect he is a spirit but we are made in his image so there's a relationship there and uh, God God has a purpose for that relationship. He has called us to a holy calling. Uh, To be holy means to be set apart for him. Uh, We're special to him. Uh, We are uh, important to him. He created us for a purpose. He created us out of his love. uh, And he has planned everything to revolve around his love. But there are certain things that will separate us from the love of God. And fear is one of them. Fear is a major uh, component in how we're separated from God. When you look at uh, the relationship God had with the first man and woman that he created in the earth, everything was fine. There was companionship. There was fellowship. There was obedience. When disobedience came in, man was heir to fear. Fear came in and replaced love. Now people will say, and the faith movement people say this a lot, uh, faith is the opposite of fear. Well, that doesn't even define either one of them. You know, that's just something to say. Uh, Actually, love is the opposite of fear. Uh, but fear also is a perverted form of love so it's not so cut and dry and simple as to you know say what what's opposite of something and all this kind of stuff I don't know how that helps a whole lot but I do know that if we understand how faith in God got twisted by iniquity then we can begin to understand how fear is such a constant companion of humanity we can see also how people who are uh, uh, who have iniquity motivating them use fear a lot to get the things that they need out of life Uh, people use fear with other people to control them get them under their authority 
uh, it quickly can deteriorate uh, to a very, very destructive relationship when fear is not put in check. And so we have to look at this as a, a universal problem for humanity, but God has given the universal answer, and that is his love. Fear is really perverted love. <clears throat> Many times we confuse the two. We can say we love God, but we look at him in unfriendly ways or ways that are not true about him. For instance, the three um, uh, laborers that were given talents. Remember the three guys with the three different levels of talent? Uh, The Bible says they were given each according to his own ability. So it looks like whoever gave those talents was being fair about it. You wouldn't give a bunch of talent to somebody who doesn't use one. And so when it got down to the guy with the one talent who was the least uh, reliable and the least effective in using his gifts and abilities for God, we see that he his problem was he had a perverse understanding of who God was. He said, I know that you're a hard master to deal with. You're not loving. You're not merciful. He says you collect where you don't sow. In other words, God, you're taking this money. You're robbing me. And how many of us have faced that? I mean, I had to face it in my life with God. You know, you're scared to tithe because you think you won't be able to make it on 90%, which sometimes you can't. But God, you have to trust that God wouldn't ask you to do something that you could not do and that he could not compensate for any supposed lack you might have. And so sometimes it's easier to to tithe. You know, people say, well, it's easy to tithe when you don't make much money. It can be hard with a little or a lot. Because people, as they grow, sometimes they don't increase in what they give. You know, it's known that this nation of America is very generous in their giving, but they say only about 20% of people in churches do tithe. And so we're generous, but we're not giving the minimum that God requires out of the Old Testament it's got to be easier under the New Testament because we have a better covenant there's so many ways that you can can allow God to help you with managing what you have just don't let your your wants exceed your abilities if you can stay in, in and see this compels us to operate out of all the fruit of the spirit because one of the fruit of the spirit is self-control So you can't be a big giver and lack control and think it's going to work out right. So God's going to have you employ all of the fruit of the Spirit in order to live a healthy and a balanced life and a good life. And so if you if you give your tenth to God and then squander the ninety, what has that helped you? You know, God wants you, if you're faithful in that amount, think what God could do if you could let him help you give you wisdom in the rest of it. I used to challenge myself when I would see my my refrigerator and freezers piling up. I would challenge myself, well, don't go to the store. Don't buy anything until you use some of this stuff. 
And I found that it was very interesting what I bought and what was in there. I said, there's some good meals up here in this freezer if I go in here and find it. But see, shopping can get to be a habit and a routine and you just go because you're in the habit of going and you don't really need anything. And so it's the same thing with all of our efforts. We can can be out spending, but we don't really have needs. We're really spending because we have it to spend. And so God will help us to get that discipline. Think of what you could do if you let God have full control over everything in your life. And see, we never think about perfecting it beyond what we're accustomed to. But we can get better at this. We can be the person who can maybe can write the $10,000 check to pay for the conference, which everybody says they want to do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's one thing to want it and another thing to actually do it and be able to do it. And that's how you're able to do it. You just let God be the, the guiding force in everything that you do. And you do it because you, you're mature in your love of God. You're not a kid anymore uh, just begging God for everything and not being sure he's going to ever give you anything. Uh, he expects us to mature so we are on the road to maturity in the love of God so if we can say we love God but we look at him in an unfriendly way that is perverse and it's not really mature love that's not the picture God wants us to have of him we want to love God but do we don't feel friendly toward him and we don't feel that he's real friendly toward us in fact many times we'll even think about how God what God thinks about us you know it's kind of like mm, if I don't know what I don't know won't hurt me kind of thing uh, I wouldn't ask him about that I just assume that we're okay and we don't have to go into that discussion you know and so we have a dreadful fear sometimes and it's not real peace with God it's not our thoughts about him are fragmented yeah he'll 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 pay that bill for me and he'll give me a job that's good enough to get to this level but will he give me to that level that I've always thought in my heart I wanted to get to or I can trust him with with good Christian friends in the church but can I trust him to find a husband or a wife for me that kind of thing and so uh, when our fear exceeds our trust then we we have an immature form of love and God wants to perfect that he wants to mature that love so and he does it he does it sometimes in the most remarkable ways sometimes God will withhold certain things that we're familiar with to get us out on a limb where we have to trust him a little bit more and you got to stretch out there and get beyond yourself to find that he's out there and he's for you and he'll help you so God has very unique ways of maturing us in his love and that is so important for our well-being uh, we can't stay at the same stage in our knowledge of God we will have nothing to share with other people your, your ministry will be flat uh, you'll have a one-dimensional aspect understanding of God and then all of a sudden somebody will come up to you that you think you're ministering to and they know about more about God than you now that's happened to me so I don't know about y'all but sometimes God will shock you uh, it, I think it was who was it Todd White shared that 
that testimony uh, he got up and he, he I guess he has this relationship with God where he asked God to show show people to him the way God sees them and, and that's a good prayer and so he said he, he did his prayer and he went out one day and he was going to uh, uh, witness to this guy who was um, kind of like a homeless guy on the street and he said do you know God loves you he said do you know God loves you and the man started to share some things about the Lord and it was just kind of revealing to him Uh, and sometimes it puts us in a different frame of mind and perspective about how much we know about God there are other people that know God as well and you can't always tell by what they look like what their needs are you see what I'm saying so he's asking God to show show me let me see people the way you do and God is showing him you can't look at how they look from the outside because that's not what I look at and so it was a real uh, eye opener for him but it was a good one because he was able to see that some of the things that he was thinking about the Lord weren't quite accurate he made assumptions about that gentleman that just weren't true Uh, and you might think well if you know God so well why are you homeless well why not are your material possessions any indication of what you know about God and you don't know that may be just a temporary situation for that man and it might be God's put him there for a purpose you got me so maturity causes us to dig a little deeper than the superficial in our understanding of God and what God will do how he operates what he is doing in our midst etc etc so God does want us to mature or perfect our love toward him so we can be free of fear he wants us to be at peace at all times what do we we fear what do we fear about well number one we fear God doesn't love us because we're born in iniquity we're born separated from God and so that separation always has a question mark hanging out there and that is what does God really think about us does he love us fear number two will he help us because we're accustomed to thinking about being kind to people who are kind to us only so our perverted way of thinking keeps score got me and so sometimes we score ourselves pretty low on the favorability chart in God's kingdom and many times we don't even score ourselves we're just scared to think about it we're often afraid that God is not pleased with us for some reason there's always this nagging doubt think do I please God oh don't let me think about that no God don't let me because I know I did this and we start filling in the answers to the conversation you know that's your carnal mind it wants to take over all the time it's the enemy of God doesn't know anything about God don't know how to first think about pleasing God that's why we have to consider ourselves dead to sin and carnality amen and alive in Christ we're afraid he won't give us what we ask for that's why we're always changing what we want we start out thinking we know what we want from God and then when it doesn't come we negotiate down like Abraham did remember 
a hundred. Then he said, "Oh, he's going for a hundred. Well, let me go down to ten. Let me go to you know. You understand? We negotiate, renegotiate God's word. If Abraham had just said, God, I want what he should have said is, I got a cousin over there, nephew over there, Lot. Can you save him and his family? He starts out bargaining." And that's what the carnal man will do. It likes to bargain with God. As if if you didn't ask for too much, he'll give it to you. God doesn't look at quantity. He just looks at what our heart desires. If you can fit it in your heart, he can fit it into your life. So you are the one who determines what you get blessed with. So, and many times we fear God because we don't think we're worthy of being blessed. Hmm? Well, I've been called no good all my life. You know, we just cling to those old excuses for not changing our mindset. You know, uh, who cares what you've been called all your life? If you're a righteous person, that person doesn't exist anymore. Yeah? So, quit using him as an excuse for thinking small and not. You know, making yourself accept God's word about you. Fear will cause us to withdraw and not open up and not trust God. Sometimes we'll we'll project that onto God's people. You know, people ask you things, well, how are you doing with it? We always think somebody's motives are wrong. When they ask us about personal things, you know, we have to sit and think for a minute and try to figure out. Oh, what are you talking about, Willis? You know, <laughs> you know, it's a paranoid. If they ask you, well, how's your how's your son doing? Well, if your kid's not in church, then you assume they're picking at you. You got me? But you think that way, and so we have to be careful. The fear factor. That we allow to abide in our souls. You find that you're, you're distancing yourself from people. Because of the fear of exposure. You're going to have to correct that. Because the body of Christ is called to elevate, encourage, strengthen, support and help one another. There is enough power in the Lord's body to fix every problem that there is among the people there but we don't know how to put it all together so that it works for the good of everybody we we have a few people here that can trust a handful of people here and we have a little people here that can trust a few people here but we don't know how to open up and receive from the body of Christ persecution makes us open up because you get so desperate for help you don't know where it's coming from and you don't know and you say oh I used to hate Baptists because they don't pray in tongues but now I know they're good people <laughs> you know, they pray for me uh, they're not on the enemy's side they're on our side you got me and then there's some people who are from your, your familiar tribe and you think you can trust them and they turn on you and so you realize very soon that you're judging in the wrong way and you have to really reach out and allow yourself to trust God through trusting people Trust people that he will send to you. Trust people that he will have in your life to help you. If the right people aren't there, ask God to get the right people there for you. So that you can live a life of peace. That's really what he wants us to do. And mature love, as you mature in the love of God, you learn how to trust more. 
you learn how to open yourself up to the counsel of God more you start maturing out of your your mentality of fear and you mature into a mentality of love and trust the more you love the more you love the more love you receive from God the more love you can give to others because you've embraced it and it's become a part of you so your your best your best answer to all of the issues of life is cultivate a relationship of love and trust in God and then that will transfer into every situation in your life it must his love is abundant and when you've received of his love there's enough for you and much left over to give to others you got me and see when we see people operating in the love of God to me it kind of puts a conviction on observers so that they will start to question it see if it's authentic see if it's if it's real if it's if they can make it stop uh, I can't tell you the people now I, I would prefer to serve when I'm among God's people that's just me I like it if people let me be me because I let you be you see people have a problem with that because we are yet religious in our thinking we think people are supposed to be a certain way all the time and what they think they've seen among other people they want to impose that on other people it's like when people see me serving food oh you got to sit down you're the pastor I say you better leave me alone see I recognize the devil I know it's the devil when I see it and I don't have to be nice to any devils I just need to rebuke them and I said I'm sorry if this makes you uncomfortable I said but this is what I do this is who I am you got me so you leave me alone and let me do what I do you understand what I'm saying now I do it out of love but I don't have to explain myself to any devil you got me you don't get up and serve people because you're just nervous and can't sit down that won't last very long but I know where my help comes from I know where my blessing comes from and I know when I'm among God's people I'm the servant of God's people not just to preach See, if we get stuck in the the labor union mindset of it's got to be in my job description or I don't do it, we're going to fail miserably in the love of God. See, I can interact with people much better serving them food than I can calling them to the pulpit. You understand what I'm saying? So there's a purpose to what I do. Somebody in the ministry that was supposed to be a servant in the ministry was running around telling people, I need to leave that nasty hotel, the Hawthorne Hotel, and they don't know why I'm so stuck over there. Well, see, that was an indictment against them judging me for why I'm still there. 
See, I can pray better for those employees over there than I can working with people on the street. You see what I'm saying? See, I can reach people. I know how to reach and touch people. Where we're sitting here praying, begging people to come in here, we never get them. I'm already working in it. You understand what I'm saying? So you don't, you don't, your love, your life is not based on the abundance of things or what it looks like or it's beneath me or it's beneath my dignity or it ain't clean enough or it ain't nice enough. That has nothing to do with eternity. That has nothing to do with anything. You understand what I'm saying? And so you have to let people be who God created them to be. And watch your embarrassment level. And watch your your shame level and all that kind of stuff. You got to stop doing it. You have to stop judging people based on your puny little standards. It'd be something else if this person were a mentor of mine or a minister. They're not even a minister. They're sheep. So what would they know about ministry and how to conduct yourself as a minister? You understand? So people get way out of their league making judgments and criticisms where there's no place to do it because why? Their love is immature. Not me. It's baby stuff. It's based on the superficial. It's based on the appearance of things. It's based on, instead of based on letting God show you and trusting the love of God to motivate you in everything that you do. And so we have to step beyond what we are stereotypes. See, people look at, I tell people, y'all watch too much Christian television. Because that tube is set up there to project an image to you that has nothing to do with where you live in God it's got nothing to do with that Uh, there's a a gentleman who runs a Christian research organization very very well thought of and he is a very uh, um, a man of integrity George Barna he's been doing this for over 35 years and he he continually uh, polls Christians, he uh, interviews, gives surveys, and collects data on the church and on the condition of the church. And he started collecting data, I used to read it back in the 80s, about where the church seemed to be headed. And everything he said has worked out to be true. He said there would be a mass exodus from the church again. This happens cyclically. You know, it's people flock into the church and then they flock out. And they flock in and they flock out. But he was saying that many people now, people who are... are uh, the age of 30 and below don't like what they see on Christian television they think it's staged they think it's phony they think it's not real and they're not in a hurry to get there because they think it's all put on they they say it's too programmed it's too slick and they would rather go to a place where people took an interest in you as an individual you got me so nobody's fooled by that except people perhaps who are in the church and will use that to criticize people who are working to serve God you see and so we have to be careful to let God mature us so that number one what business you're minding is your own business to mind that's first of all that we don't look at things from the outer appearance 
and don't don't live in the land of having to make judgments about everything leave people alone and then God will leave have them leave you alone and we'll all live happily ever after if we can do things based on the leading of the spirit of God as mature Christians just let people be people and have a good time with them you know this this soul is unique you know they're not religious they're not programmed they're not trying to say all the right things at the right time and be real superficial this person is is authentic and so if we'll learn to be authentic and not be so fearful about who we are not be so ashamed of who we are not be so careful about opening up all that kind of stuff then we'll live fear free you know Jesus was that way he lived free from fear but he didn't play around with the devil either he was discerning so perfect love it says here and I'm sorry First John 4.18 I didn't read that it says God is love whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them so you allow God to have freedom in your life he says this is how love is made complete among us so that we have confidence on the day of judgment in this world we are like Jesus so if you're like him I'm not talking about how you look how you dress but in the purity of your heart if you're trusting God every day you're being obedient to God as best you know there's no fear no guile you're not trying to to fool anybody you're not trying to make a reputation for yourself says there's no fear in love he says perfect love drives out fear some translations say mature love I'd rather use the word mature because makes it look like you you can get in stages of love you know you can can when you first come into God's kingdom you know it's kind of a baby stage you don't know if you can trust him you know you're constantly praying for the same thing over and over again until some person who calls himself more mature than you tells you that's wrong but I would say this whatever you need to do to contact God you do it he's your father nobody's in a position to tell you it's wrong to approach your father a certain way if God doesn't like it he can correct you now see that kind of throws legalism out of the door and allows grace to come in so it's not like you have to go to God a certain way over and over and over again if you say certain things in front of God he won't hear you and he's you know mad at you and you know no go back go away you didn't come to me the right way you know it's time or something like that we all know that we have to be uh, holy you can't go with him to him with sin on your soul you have to confess that to get in the presence of God but that's the only stipulation that you have a pure heart and you lift holy hands before God you go into a holy presence by being holy and and so God will will convict you on those things and help you but don't let man intimidate you as to the way you relate to God and how you can relate to him and let this relationship mature let God help you to understand what you're doing now there are certain things that are misused that you know sometimes we get involved in tradition and we can do things through misuse and those things do need to be corrected because we're all here to learn but you know don't don't approach God by uh, praying over and over people say don't pray for faith 
Because, you know, if you need faith, you ask God. He'll explain to you how to get it. You understand what I'm saying? He said, ask anything in my name. So don't get legalistic about, oh, I can't approach you like this. God, so-and-so said I had to do it this way and then I do it that way. Uh, don't be so, you know, so fearful. That's, that's fear. You don't know how to go to God and let him correct you so that these things will work for you our life with God is designed to grow us up in Christ and cause love to mature us so perfect or mature love drives fear out but love also matures us so that we can live in the mature love of Christ you know this really is a problem you can see people not really understanding love and not really abiding in love and how it's caused people to be fragmented Uh, it's caused people to um, not be everything that they could be because they are unloved people and many times unlovable and don't know how to be lovable and how to receive love and I'm just talking about on on a natural level there is is so much now um distrust and hatred between people uh people don't even know they're not comfortable being themselves and and my feeling is that the church needs to be more of a place where people can feel they can be themselves you know cut people a little slack when you know they're new uh help them to uh just just be comfortable being who they are uh because there's great condemnation of people for certain behaviors i'll give you a good example of uh the sexual harassment mentality in the workplace you know, it used to be if you worked a good job and there were single people there, you could talk to somebody, be friendly to them. Now you're afraid to even connect with somebody in a conversation lest they misinterpret what you say or misinterpret your your intentions. Then you've got the person that just wants to be complimentary and who doesn't need to be affirmed. And they can't even be complimentary toward you because you'll go to the boss and say you're being sexually harassed and that person's out of line. They could be fired. They could be sued. So people have made a, a, um, a mess of life because it's put up so many barriers between people you can't hurdle over these barriers for fear it's always second guessing yourself and always wondering if somebody's gonna take this the wrong way so when you get to work you don't talk to anybody and then you get your evaluation and they say you're not a people person (laughs) you understand what I'm saying and so it's it's bad folks i mean and on college campuses it's even worse because for a while during the so-called sexual revolution they had co-ed dorms and you know people were mixing and mingling probably too much 
you know uh, many people who were moral people and Christians didn't send their kids to schools where they had co-ed dorms and you know you don't want boys running in your shower and all that kind of stuff And but now it's swung the opposite other direction where now you can't say certain things to people or you can't take somebody on a date unless you know you, you're chaperoned and your chaperone is stupid crazier than you are so people have really amen they have really made a mess of life where life is usually pretty cut and dry and pretty simple you know uh, if you're a single woman you dress so that you look attractive to the opposite sex because hopefully you'll marry somebody and so but you can't even do that anymore because you know somebody might take it the wrong way or you know they're, they're going to harass me out it's it's a mess I'm telling you it's a mess and so then the church is left trying to help straighten out this mess and we uh, try to cultivate an atmosphere where dress is modest but you can be attractive dressing modestly you understand what I'm saying I mean you don't have to uh, to because you want people to come in here say for instance if you got a married couple you can't have all the women showing everything because you don't feel good about bringing your spouse in there you know it's just it's a wrong atmosphere so then the preacher has to be the bad guy tell people how to dress because they don't know you understand but we're learning but we love everybody but we intend for you to, to mature in the love of Christ if you love your brother in Christ you won't be somebody who's trying to be seductive and they come to the house of worship and we need to be focused on worship we can't focus on you right now so we focus on worship and you should be the type of woman who wants to attract a mature man not somebody who's going to be around you as long as you look good and then they're off trying to look for somebody else and so it works both ways you get the benefit of having a secure atmosphere which to bring your family so that they can grow in the knowledge of God and we focus on God and worshiping God and that's all we focus on and if you want attention you can go you know by a stage somewhere and get your own show or whatever you want to do but that's not the life of, of the Christian you know we're to be decreasing so that he can increase you know what I'm saying just submerge yourself in God and let him shine through you amen so our life with God really is designed to grow us up in Christ and cause love to mature us and then we take on a more mature love love is not boastful love is kind it's not trying to promote itself got me love is 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 forgiving believing hoping encouraging all of those things it's not self-centered it's God-centered and then God will help us to center not just on him but on all of humanity there's enough love in God to feed every soul on this earth there is but it's got to get through the rest of humanity through his body and if we refuse mature love and stay immature then we don't have enough to sustain us and we don't have enough to give to others and that becomes a problem churches could do more than just throw money at problems that's what the government does 
Many times we take a big contributions for missions work or whatever kind of work and that's fine. But somebody has to go touch those people. We can be great missionaries to places outside of the United States and walk past people who have needs every day on our way to church. And so we don't want to be those kinds of people. But in order to minister to those people, we have to mature. We have to say, God, this is kind of nervous for me. I don't know if this person is going to receive what I say. I don't know if they're going to rebuke me. But your love tells me I have to step out here so I can share whatever I can with this individual or they will perish. And so mature love looks not at what's important for you only. It's so easy to do because it's easy to get in a hurry to get to church because you just got a couple minutes to get there. You'll be late or something like that. And then when you get out, you got plans to go someplace else. And we never have plans to reach the lost. You have to do that. You have to do these things on purpose. Why? Jesus died on purpose for them. You've already received of that. So he wants us to mature so that we can be people who will will shed his love and, and demonstrate his love in a greater and greater way. Easiest way I know for a church of people to do that is to go out together. To go out in a group and do it. Because if we say we do it on our own, we don't do it often enough. We're not consistent. So it's good just to be consistent with it and always be able to share the love of God. So we need to, uh, uh, we have to let the love of God mature us. So why is this important? God's plan of redemption includes a portrait of us as we were in the beginning. And so it's like God watches that picture. He said, I created you in the beginning with these abilities, these gifts, this personality, this ability, this this mandate on your life and to go here and to do this and do that. And he is bringing us back to conform to that image. So what we're doing in our lives now may look nothing like that portrait. But mature love will help you to seek to make that your reality And not what you're doing now. My feeling is that Christians in the earth on the earth today, especially those in this nation and other privileged nations, spend so much time on self things, they have they don't have the maturity to step out and do the mature thing that God wants them to do. Maturity doesn't sacrifice does not hurt the mature the person who's mature in God's love sacrifice is normal Mm -hmm. write that down so what that means is consider your ways consider what you spend your time on and what that involves is it how to promote me how to get what I want God it's been a long time I've been praying for this and it hasn't come in yet God, what am I going to do now? I got to do this. I need more money. I need more this. I mean, you know, consider your ways. Is there something that you can do that's sacrificial, that won't entail you? Sacrifice really just means slaughter the flesh. Just don't let it manifest. See, there are ways to trust God where you almost don't even have to ask anything. You can expect and live a very, very good Christian life. 
except in the areas of intercession. Now I'm talking about your personal needs. I'm not talking about the needs of family members for salvation or if they need a job. Or You definitely have to pray for those things. But for your own needs, you can live a life of thanking God and expecting those needs to be met on a daily basis. It's called walking in the spirit or walking with God. But you can walk with God till your needs are so taken care of. You're not mad if you don't have something yet. You're not upset because, you know, you feel like somebody's standing in the way of your blessing. You're not. You understand what I'm saying? Mature love, trust God. God, I've asked you for this. You heard me when I asked. And I believe I receive it. And I'm going to thank you for it. You know how much free time that creates for you to be interested in the needs of other people? A whole lot. And that's why God promises to provide all of our needs so we won't have to bog ourselves down fasting and praying for things that are already given. The fact is you don't see them yet doesn't mean anything. Maybe they're not on the schedule until 2025. And we're here squirming and crying and tearing our hair out for it in 2017. That makes no sense. So that's an immature love. That wants to continue to vocalize disappointment and vocalize impatience toward God. When really what you need is an infusion of his love that will cause you to be trusting and patient and kind and understanding. And can I do something else besides beg for what I want God? Because you won't get it any sooner. (laughs) That's the whole crux of it because he has everything on a plan for us. He has plans. Not just you. He's got them too. So your best thing is to seek his plan, find out what it is, and get in line with his plan. So God's plan of redemption does include a portrait of us as we were in the beginning before sin and fear and shame entered into our souls before all the destructive forces that keep your soul fragmented and distrusting and not feeling complete and not feeling satisfied before all that stuff got involved God had a plan for you as a whole person God's plan roots out iniquity so it will root out the things that keep us separated from him don't look at iniquity as something you do wrong and he's after you about it Look at iniquity as something that tears away at your peace. It tears away at your contentment. It tears away at your wholeness. It tears away. It's something that diminishes your contentment with your life. And you want that out of your life. God's plan roots out iniquity, fear, shame, and selfishness and replaces it with his love. Amen. So God will will cause you to get into situations where this kind of stuff gets exposed. You know, it's kind of like, you know, people tend to look at things from a selfish perspective. Like I, I look at relationships as being proving grounds for the love of God, the strength of your love for God is often reflected in relationships and people tend to be too controlling in relationships rather than be trusting of God in relationships 
and and what I mean by that is this: the immature love says that if I treat sister so and so nice, she's got to treat me nice back. That's where you get in your problem, because there's no such rule, there's no such law, there's no such anything. What will happen if she doesn't treat you nice? See, now you're left with a problem that you got to solve. Got me? And so what what we do as people, natural people, is we will begin to withhold nice from people who don't give it back. And then we go try to find other people who treat us nice and give it to them. Sure. It's immature. God says the heathen do that. Oopsie, I thought I was saved. Well, you're saved, but we're working on it. So we're going to work that out of you. We're going to show you what real love is. And what God does is he allows that person to treat you bad for a long time. He said, you work in this. Keep treating them nice. You said this was the way to get things done. Go keep doing it. But did you forgive? Did you say, God, help me to love? Did you include God in this? Or are you just going to work this yourself? We work a lot of witchcraft with people. The Bible says, if you're kind only to those who are kind to you, what have you proven? Even the heathen can do that. We're talking about a deeper love that will go deep inside your heart and will root out the iniquity and the selfishness and the fear and the wanting it your way and trying to control the relationship and just let the relationship develop because you have peace with God and you're obeying God's commandments. And so we have to, you have to trust God even in these relationships that you've kept uh, for many, many years. Oh, many years. Uh, They're going to change over the years. And you have to let them change. But keep God at the center of all of it. You know, parents, when your kids are small, you can drag them to church. You never bother to ask them what they think about it. (laughs) Maybe you should have that conversation. You know, I mean, I believe in in engaging people. Uh, You'll learn some stuff. It'll shock you what a seven-year-old understands in a sermon. I don't know what they understand in children's church where you play all the time. But when they're under the anointing and the word of God is preached to them, the devil doesn't hold back preaching his sermons to your kids when they're small. They want to teach sex education as low as kindergarten now. And what they're teaching has nothing to do with normality. They're teaching them to accept perversion. And so we have to be careful that we don't... Um, uh, um, disqualify people or judge them as being not mature enough to understand certain things based on their age because you, a spirit has no age those kids can be very mature in their spirit but then when they get older they want to slack off from going to church they want to go their separate ways they get involved with their little friends they want to run here and there well the relationship between you and them has changed they're taller than you now. They weigh twice as much as you. And you can't drag them in church and put them in the car seat and make them come. They've got to get themselves there. 
And so God knew this day was coming. So don't panic and freak out and get hysterical because it's here all of a sudden. He's already made a plan for them coming back to him. And this time it will be them bringing themselves to God and not you dragging them there. Wasn't nothing wrong with bringing your family to church. But there has to come a time when they mature in their love and trust of God as well. And so God's plan roots out iniquity, fear, shame, and selfishness and replaces it with his love. The only thing God does, if he tells you something is not pleasing to him, he wants you to say you're sorry and ask him to help you to do the right thing. You know, Spike Lee knew that much. And he ain't saved. Guarantee you not. He might know about God, but he ain't living the life. And so, and this is all we do. It is so simple. It's nothing to beat yourself up. Oh God, I did that right now. I should have been. I should have known better. That doesn't impress him. You can just hold your fire down. You know, we think if we make a big deal of our mistakes, that convinces him we want to do right. It doesn't do that. He's looking at your heart. He's not looking at all of that stuff. And he's trying to get you to trust him that he loves you. That's what he wants you to know. He wants you to know he loves you. And we need to know it in a deeper and deeper way. We say we know it. We can quote John 3.16. For God's the will of the world. But now he wants us to live it. Right? He wants us to prove we believe it. We prove it every day. But he wants to replace all of that iniquity with his love. One of the things that God delivers us from is the orphan spirit. O-R-P-H-A-N. I looked up the word orphan in a couple of dictionaries. Both dictionaries defined it as a child whose parents are dead. See, even now we don't have the same definition of orphan, you know, is this, and when you think about the finality of that, and for that spirit to be on people who are born, just everybody who's born is born with that spirit, because we're born in sin, shaped in iniquity, and sin is separation from God. Iniquity separates us from God, so to us God is dead. Because our spirits are dead to him. We're not alive to God when we're born. Till you get born again, you're not aware of God's existence. So we are orphans. We're left here without anybody caring for us. That's why people will do all kinds of ungodly things to get their needs met. Just to have bread, shelter, and clothing. Some people will rob and kill and murder and steal just for that because that spirit is so driving and so permeating into every aspect of your life orphan spirit tells you you've got to fend for yourself nobody loves you anybody ever been there I don't know maybe I'm not talking to real people but you know what I'm saying it tells you all this stuff and after you come into the knowledge of God the orphan spirit is constantly telling you there's still something wrong you still don't have a father. You still, <laughs> you know, nobody still cares for you. All it takes is one delay in what you think is the time you've allotted for him to answer your prayer. And you're back accusing yourself of not having anybody who loves you. Got me? 
that is true for some people and that is true in, in sometimes in our lives you know if you don't, if you're without Christ before I was saved that was true for me there was a time in my life where I felt and rightfully so nobody loved me because I had that all alone I was rejected by my husband my family didn't want to have anything to do with me because I was an embarrassment to them because I was mentally ill so you can have a point in your life where this is true but God is calling you to come I thank God that I didn't have to go through people to find God and what I mean by that is this you can get you can be seeking God and get a big dose of religion and you haven't helped yourself one little bit I didn't have anybody in my life who could tell me how to get born again and tell me how to be assured that I wasn't going to go to hell if I died having the panic attacks which I thought I was suffocating and I thought my heart was going to have a heart attack nobody in my life could tell me that because if they did God had sent them, would have sent them to me but I remembered this is a good thing about God he's in charge of remembering and forgetting I remembered a woman who had given her testimony in a beauty shop where I was and her the girl who did her hair was she kind of had a funny attitude about it or she would tell her she said she said Jerry Jerry tell him tell him tell him it was like an entertainment thing to her something that was real interesting to her but she knew everybody needed to know it she wasn't saved but she encouraged her to tell and Jerry would just tell wherever open door came she was a very humble person and she shared about her life before she met the Lord and she said she got saved and that was a new word for me all the churches I've been to all the years of my life I never heard that term before why they were religion tradition people just sat around pretended to know God and killed each other because they set up their own standards for knowing God you know if you know God you'll do this if you know God you'll do that if you know God you'll do that and nobody ever preached the gospel to me but that was the first time I heard that God could change your life and that you needed to be saved and I remembered that and I started to ask God I said why do I keep remembering that and God would take me through the Bible that he would show me in the word of God his plan of salvation so listen folks if we never minister to anybody here that's not going to stop God from saving them but if we will participate and help God it will help that situation but I know for a fact when it's your time it's your time and God will see to it that you get saved and I mean really saved so I developed a relationship with trusting God and I still have problems don't don't get me wrong I'm not trying to tell you that you know it's perfect but I'm telling you he put me on a foundation where I started to understand him and not religion because I had a bunch of religion I'd had religion all my life and I realized it didn't do anything for me but put me more confused or I knew some things about God or I knew enough about God to sit there and be polite in church you know and go out and smoke cigarettes or go to a bar afterwards you know I was not changed but I knew that knowing God would have to mean a change in you because I couldn't accept that I would do the same things that I had done before 
that encounter with God and that is what validates it because I knew so many people who were going to church and you know still drinking still smoking and doing everything else and I knew that wasn't that wasn't what you get saved that wasn't salvation I knew it wasn't and I thank God at least I knew that much and so God he wants us to get mature in his love and get beyond that orphan spirit he wants us to replace that with a spirit of adoption where we know that at one time we didn't have God and there came a point where we got assured that God loved us and he accepted us. God has so many ways of reassuring us. I remember going uh, to a church one time and I was involved in a women's ministry and and uh, I was I, I think I was going to a church another church at that time but a friend of mine invited me to her church and they had a speaker I think Sandy Brown was their speaker she said oh this lady you won't believe her testimonies in in those days we lived off each other's testimonies oh God what God did that for you I I mean, you you don't even look like you used to do that kind of stuff you know that kind of thing we just marveled at each other's testimony so when I heard there was a good testimony I went in to hear it and uh, it, she had an altar call and she had everybody come up but then they had counselors in the church that would take you in the back room and they would counsel you from the Bible and pray with you and help you to get beyond whatever trouble it was you had and I, I was telling the girl and I knew her from another Bible study and I said I said oh Mary Jean I said I said you got me she said oh Barb come here and we hugged and she said well come on we'll pray what is it and and so I was telling her I said you know I just have this, this hard time I said I feel like uh, you know I'm I'm I said, I always feel like I'm not good enough. I said, I, I just don't feel acceptance where I go and this kind of stuff. And she showed me the scripture and said, he has made us accepted in the beloved. And she said, you're accepted. She said, when you're accepted by God, you're accepted everywhere. She said, you can't get any better acceptance than that. And God would do supernatural things like that for me. For the things I didn't know were in the Bible and I needed to know them. He would get some help for me where that would become clear to me. You understand what I'm saying? So you're growing and maturing in God and he's helping you to mature through the word. If you can't get it through the words you read or through what you hear preached, he will, if it's a problem for you, he will get that problem resolved for you. He does not want any of his children to feel like orphans or to feel like they're not accepted so the Holy Spirit really provides the love and comfort that we need from the invisible God you you can't see God sometimes that poses a little bit of a problem we tend to put people more important than God sometimes because people are made in his image we get the substitute instead of the real thing then we get disappointed because people aren't God and we find that out pretty soon but in John 14 you'll see the purpose of the Holy Spirit 14 verse 18 verse 15 Jesus says if you love me keep my commandments when you love God and you obey God it will open the door for interesting experiences with him that's all I can tell you he says I will ask the father 
and he will give you another comforter. So he says in obeying me that allows me to introduce you to another advocate to help you or another comforter to help you. That is the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because they neither see him nor know him. But you know him because he lives with you and will be in you. He says I will not leave you as orphans. So in other words God calls us orphans before we know him by adoption. So I'm not going to leave you that way. So that lets me know it's a problem for everybody. Everybody's born an orphan. You might have natural parents but you're still an orphan as far as your spiritual life is concerned. And that's the most important part. He says I won't leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. He says before long the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live in you. You also will live. So Jesus lets us know that we have great company. Not just living in us but actively living in us. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are about something in our lives. We're not here by ourselves. We're not here on our own. I don't care how lonely you might feel. You lift up your hands and start to pray in tongues or start to worship God and see if company don't show up. Amen. You'll know the real presence of God and that is what that's for. See mature love doesn't beg God and crave for things. Mature love reaches out to God to fill what it is that we crave. And if that's not filled then it goes into the the realm of a request. You don't just sit up and feel a certain way and go to praying and asking God for stuff. You go to him like David did. You encourage yourself in him. And you get the right answer. You'll find out you're not as deprived as you think you are. You're not as as, as, uh, um, needy as you think you are. You think you need all this stuff to be content. But you know Paul says food and clothing should be enough. Or James one of them said food and clothing ought to be enough for you to be content. See we're encouraged by people who claim they know better than we do to prove our faith by the abundance of things that we have now that's the best way I can tell y'all because that is definitely opposite to what the word of God says and they have so much trouble you know rich preachers have trouble and they have a lot of trouble because you know every time I look in the Bible and people say well that's Old Testament well the word is still the word it might be administered differently but it's the truth of God you know it it comes out as truth but when God set up the offerings and the sacrifices for his people he told the priest what portion belonged to them and told the the uh told the priest what portions to burn as an offering to him so God has always told his people what belonged to them you don't get a board to tell you because they'll tell you anything you don't get a group of people to tell they'll tell you anything and so we have gotten comfortable allowing ourselves to accumulate the world's possessions 
And that's never been what God ordained for us. I'm just real sorry. I don't care how many books you write if you belong to God. You better ask God if that's all your money because it will mess you up. And, and James says that. He says people that, that accumulate great wealth fall into snares because the devil's trap is all around that money. He'll start getting people want to take it from you. Then you get in court. You got to pour out more money. I mean, it's it's tough. If you don't have it, they don't see it, and he can't get it. And so it's it's take for instance Billy Graham. His his ministry is set. They say for you know decades financially, but he's already lived. He lives in the same house he started out in. It's more of a a cabin type existence in in I think it's North Carolina he lives in. Got a little library attached to it. It's some acres there. But he always allowed his board to determine his salary. He kept uh uh you know expenses for the the crusades and all that was kept in a separate budget. He was given a salary to live, his family to live off of, and he always kept it simple. You don't ever hear anybody complain of Billy Graham spending too much money. Because he's not. And everything is open and he he lives a life of dignity. He's respected. Um, he's highly respected. I can remember when presidents would go to him and ask him questions. They, he's visited so many presidents in the White House. And they loved his counsel and his wisdom. Why is that? And why is it that ministers now who are preaching feel it's a big deal if they get to the White House? Hard for them to get there. Makes a bit of difference, folks. Makes a bit of difference. Uh, I know one's mature love because you're not attached to the things of this world. Mature love disattaches it, disconnects itself from the riches of this world. And is comfortable doing it. It's not, oh, i got to give all my money away or I'm not pleasing to God. No, it's not that. It's in your heart what you're connected to and what you're attached to. And so mature love is willing to make the sacrifice and pleased to do it. Many times we sacrifice and we talk about it for 15 years. Or we want to tell everybody how hard it is and all this kind of stuff. You know, it's like the people who will... will will ask you to oh God's got me on consecration pray for me well come on now Jesus said very very clearly if you're going to fast dress up and look good don't look gaunt and don't try to let people know you're not eating huh? do it in secret and you get rewarded openly and so we have to be careful the things that we do in secret be kept secret between us and God. And then he can bless you. He can reward you openly. People will see from your life the things that you do in private. Huh? They'll see it. So the Holy Spirit provides the love and comfort we need to stay consistent in obeying God. If you don't get reassurance from God that you are loved, you will never obey him consistently. And my my suggestion is this, to seek God for your reassurance and not man. Because when we get it turned around, 
man becomes the person you blame when you don't want to obey God. You got me? You'll start to uh, resent what, what, and you said, well, well, they don't appreciate me in church. Or people say this to me, you never tell me I'm doing good. I say, you should be able to tell yourself that. I'm not here to do that for you. I'm not God. I'm not the Holy Spirit. You know, people have this warped idea about the power of other people's words. See, the thing is like this. When you don't feel good about yourself, instead of seeking God, you start looking around to see what can be causing that. Hmm? We're always looking outside because we're afraid to look in here. If you look inside you, you're scared you're going to find an answer you don't like. So we keep it on the periphery so we can blame somebody else for us not feeling good about ourselves. Or we we like to put people in a certain category so that when we don't want to do the right thing, we can blame them because they pointed out to us. You got me? There's always some external blame we can do when we don't want to mature in the love of God. God should, you should look to God to teach you how to be respectful. To teach you how to not be casual. To teach you how to be a humble and submissive person. To teach you the ways of God. This is the way Jesus lived. And so we're compelled by God to live that way. But many times we don't want to live that way. It's so easy to get in in a group of people and start to brag about what we have. But we turn it into like a testimony of what God did for us. See what I'm saying? We we call it a testimony, but we're really boasting. And we want people to know what we've got going on. Because, you know, this makes me somebody. What well, doesn't make you anybody? This makes you a person with things. And we can all get things if that's what we want. We've all got things. But what do you have eternally? What do you have that God's done? What's he delivered you from? What's he helped you do? We seldom hear that from people. You know, like you, you used to get. We used to live off each other's testimonies. I keep thinking about that, and and uh, you know, we used to talk about. You know, we oh, I used to I struggle with them cigarettes. You know, sometimes you'll find a new believer and they might open up to you and share that with you. Ooh, I struggle with that, but man, I can remember how I got free from it. And go on. That's love. That's the love of God. The love of God is not in how many movies you saw last week or how you bought something new and, and how much that cost. That's a blessing for sure. But man, it's an immature, 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 immature. So to be orphaned means to be without parents, family, identity, or security. So there's a stripping of who you are away from you. That's what iniquity does. In other words, we're fraught with fear. You, when you don't know who your parents are, you don't know where you came from, if you were wanted, if you weren't. There's so many blank spaces out there, you can't fill them all in. 
And so uh, that orphan spirit is one that God seeks to strip us from and replace it with his love so that we know somebody. That's why many times God, you know how when you were a new Christian you prayed for crazy stuff and got it anyway. Or uh, you know you had very little and then you finally got something and you knew it was God. And it was something you could see. But if you say, you know, I I was struggling with, uh, you know, fornication or I used to cuss a lot or I just hated my parents. And very few times will we confess that and talk about how God brought us into a greater realm of love, you know. And that's the most important thing. How did you overcome hating people? How did you overcome thinking about yourself first all the time? How did you overcome withholding? From your spouse, from your children, from anybody. Because you were too afraid to let go of a part of yourself because you were afraid you'd be bankrupt if you let that little piece go. You understand what I'm saying? These are the things that that make a difference. And see, when God says he's bringing us up to the full stature of Christ... That means that he can trust you to do anything, to minister to anybody, to talk to anybody because he knows that you're fit to do the job. Sometimes we're not fit to do the job. Brother Sumrall said that God told him when he was 80 years old to start a ministry feeding the poor. Uh, and he told God, he said, you know how old I am? God said, yeah, I'm just, you're just old enough where I can know I can trust you. And some all argued with him a little bit. He thought, well, this couldn't be right. He said, I can't start anything. My days here are going to be shorter and shorter. And he said, God, give it to a younger man to do. There are a lot of younger men, good men. He said, "God, God said, I gave it to many of them and they stole the money. So God knows what he's doing. See, when when he can trust you, he can trust you because he knows you won't steal the money. God told him, he said, my children are crying to me for bread and nobody is there to feed them. That's, That's how he first approached him about it. And later on, God had to share with him, I gave it to somebody else to do, but they took all the money. See what I'm saying? And so in, in, to this day, we support his ministry in feeding the poor, you know, and almost nobody else. Because, you know, you can tell that, that there's a message there for you. And so uh, God wants us, though, to get to that mature level where we don't think about us first. We're not first all the time. If he can get us to the place where we're not first all the time and trust him to take care of us. See, I don't have a problem cooking for you guys because God's taking care of me. I don't need you to do every single thing for me because he's taking care of me. I mean, personally, ministry-wise, every single way, he's taking care of me. So I have enough reserve to be able to give freely to you and not begrudge. And not feel I'm, oh, this is too much, God. I can't do that. Oh, I don't do that for the sake. Oh, you, you got the wrong girl. I, I'm beyond that. I'm so beyond that. You, you know, everything's on the table as far as I'm concerned. You know, there's nothing that's off the table. You have to let God get you there, though. You don't just jump there, and but you get there through just daily obedience, just every day, obeying God, doing what he tells you to do. And I've got somewhere to go. I can go much further, and I'm sure you all could, too. 
But I'm trying to help you to understand that mature love loses who you are personally. And you begin to take on more of the character of Christ. And it's not an effort. It's not put on. It just flows naturally out of you to be concerned about other people. You can be concerned about people without feeling like you're giving away the, the cookie store. You know, you have no cookie store to get give. You know what I'm saying? And and you can be free in your giving even when you don't have much. I remember those days too. I, there are times when I had more and could give less. Times I had less and could give more. It will go back and forth. But God wants to see us being consistent in everything we do. So mature love causes us to be consistent in our obedience to God and doesn't weigh what He's asking. As being too little or too much or oh, I don't have time for me. You know you hear that a lot with people and all they do is do what they want to do. I don't know what more people want to do. They're abusing children. They're abducting children. They're breaking laws here. I mean if you don't have enough me time I don't know when you're going to get it. Because we live in a very lawless world right now. But God wants us to get over that orphan spirit. Man, he wants us to feel like we are totally accepted. And from that, the love grows. You get to the point where God's love grows. There are times when God will do things that you just know it's nobody but God and you just smile. You think, God, you showed up and did that for me again. You know, little things, big things, it doesn't matter the degree of it. I think if you can notice the small things, that matures your love more of God. Yeah, I was sitting, and I I told him, since my husband passed away, I've noticed, I call them love notes that Jesus leaves me. Yeah, and he leaves me little love notes. And so I was, I had to go to the dentist. I was really going to get in an emergency. I needed a tooth filed. File my tooth and get me out of here. But of course they don't do that. They put you on a program and they do this and do that. So I knew I needed a cleaning and then I had waited what they had to do the deep cleaning where they've got to, you know, give you an injection or something like that. And for some reason I found out the devil was at work. I've had to take some pills for my blood pressure being too high recently. And, uh, for some reason, they weren't working right. And she took my blood pressure and I said, no, wait a minute. It hasn't been like this since before I was medicated. I'm taking these pills every day. And so I looked at it and she looked and said, oh, that's not so high. I can't give you. She shot me. Oh, <laughs> Lord, how did I get here? And so I was thinking to myself, I said, Jesus, please don't let me die. I said, you people don't know me. I'm right here. This dead. Don't let me die. The dentist I was... And the Lord told me, he said, don't you know I love you too much to let you die? Right? <laughs> Lord have mercy. Now see, a lot of people, that sounds strange to them. God wouldn't tell nobody that either. Because he didn't told you that. Doesn't mean he won't tell somebody. But see, that's mature love. Because I received it as not just for me personally because of something that I've done. See, this is where you've got to understand the love of God. God is so personal that you get it for you, but you know you're not special without him saying you're not special. 
You got me? It, it's one of those things where it doesn't get it's personal to you but it don't get in your flesh where you start to puff yourself up like you've done something extraordinary where he don't want you to die it's not about that but it's a polite reassurance of his love and sometimes we need that more than meditating on a scripture to get us through a procedure you understand what i'm saying you need to have a personal from god because you stepped away from the knowledge of that for some reason sometimes the devil surprises you and knocks you over in there and god knows exactly what to tell you and when to keep you in his love okay we'll stop father we thank you for allowing us to understand you and we want mature we want mature we don't want to keep begging for the same things over and over again we're done with it we're so done with ourselves we're so done with feeling inadequate and feeling wondering why and guessing let us be confident and assured of you father especially as we go out to share your love with other people if we don't have it we can't share it but such as we have we give to people and we want to just mature in your love and know you and and know go about our daily lives and our ministries in confidence knowing that you have a special place for us and you've ordained a place for us and we thank you for that lord we love you in jesus name amen and praise god if anybody needs prayer come on up for your prayer